we are talking to Carl Magnus Palm, and the book is ABBA, The Complete Recording Sessions. I read somewhere that this was the book uh, came about through crowdfunding, but crowdfunding, when it comes to a book about ABBA, isn't that a very easy sell, Carl Magnus? Um, not really. I mean, in in a sense, it is. But this is uh, the book is a kind of um, special interest book in the sense that it goes in depth on the music and how they wrote and recorded it and everything. And um, the general public, if you will, they're, they're not really interested in that kind of detail about ABBA's music. They might jo- enjoy um, something like ABBA Gold or you know the Mamma Mia musical and, and just the songs. But the people are really interested in um, in the details of how ABBA created their music. Not so many, uh, unfortunately. Okay. Now, you first published the book ABBA, The Complete Recording Session, 1994. And then now another one has come. What? Why? What, what has happened through, through these years? Well, the thing is that back then... Everything was when I wrote when I first wrote the book and published it. Everything was in analog format, you know, like regular old tapes and everything. And um, if you want to listen to those tapes with all ABBA's recordings, all their alternate mixes and stuff like that, you had to. Um, I mean, you had to hire a studio, a professional recording studio, to to do it. And I had no budget for that. Uh, but since then, everything has been transferred to a digital format, and with digital, everything is so much easier. You, you know, you just have to push a button, and you can listen to it. I mean, you can listen to it at home if you want to, okay. <laughs> uh, theoretically. So it didn't require it didn't require a lot of money. Uh, so through these years, and I, you know, I didn't know that much about ABBA when I wrote the first book but I've learned so much more there's so much more information that has come up um, you know background stories how they wrote those songs how they recorded that those songs and what they feel about that and I've talked to so many more people but crucially I've been able to listen to those uh, recordings that I wasn't able to to listen to back then you write somewhere I think it's on your homepage that when you read this book, you will never hear Abbas music the same way again. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I guess I mean that knowing what they've done, you know, the process they went through, you will never be able to, I mean, for instance, take a song like Holding Your Soul from Abba the Album, the 1977 album. Um, I discovered now, as I was writing this new book, that there's an entire verse from the song that they deleted, uh, which, you know, no one knew about that before. So now you, you, the next time you listen to that song, you will know that there was, there's a piece there that you never got to hear. So, you know, it will transform your understanding of ABBA's music. And there are lots of examples like that. ABBA liked to edit their songs. That's something I discovered through uh, writing this book, is that they, they often felt, oh, you know, it's it's boring. It's standing still here. You know, we're not. This, this song is not moving forward. We're repeating ourselves. Let's let's you know, let's remove this verse or let, let's remove that that extra chorus at the end or let's make the intro a little shorter. You know, because they always wanted to, and they knew that about pop music as well that you have to 
you have to stay interesting all the time you know as long as if you if you're repeating too much or repeating yourself or it gets boring you know people lose interest and that's that's the opposite of of what pop music is supposed to be about, be about i have to ask you a question that i think many people are curious about is there a lot of unknown music in the abba canon and why if there is why is that um there isn't so much um unknown or unheard music um there are a few few songs that they just felt you know they are they are all of them are unfinished in one sense or another or they feel that they're unfinished at least um and they just felt you know when they were working on them just gut feeling this isn't right we we're, we're on the wrong track here this song isn't working out so we're not going to release it and you know they contrary to many other artists who sort of you know you can hear all their outtakes and uh, or many of them at least um abba have been relatively conservative um in sharing their their uh, you know their outtakes with the world but uh, have you listened to these outtakes and uh, uh, if you have can you understand why they didn't uh, become part of a, of, a, of an album i can in some respects in some in some cases i can see okay they didn't like that bit and okay that bit could have been better and that that bit didn't really work as well as it should and and sometimes it's it's the reason is that they've discovered as they've been working on the song they sort of realized oh no this this bit here is is the copy of someone else's song and we didn't realize realize that when we wrote it uh-huh. uh for instance there's a beautiful instrumental called ladybird it's just a working title and they would have written lyrics and you know recorded uh, uh, vocals for it if they had progressed but they they realized that oh no the chorus has uh like a like a tiny bit from the song uh, tomorrow from the from the musical annie uh from the chorus of that just a, a, a small phrase and when they realized that they junked the entire song <laughs> So so that kind of thing would happen as well. I'm curious to know Carmines, how did you get information about the recording sessions of who said what and what happened in the studio? Um well, plain old research, I guess. <laughs> you know, you listen to uh, I listen to the tapes and they will re- reveal some some stuff and then of course I've interviewed all all four members of ABBA Bjorn and Benny mostly uh, but the girls have also provided some input and all the musicians and their sound engineer Michael Bietretto who was like a fifth member of the group because he was there all the time and he had a lot of input in the recordings and stuff and so you put all that together and you go to to libraries and seek out old interviews that no one's seen for 45 years or whatever you know uh, so you pull all that together and then you get the story So basically ABBA the complete recording sessions are more or less sanctioned by ABBA as well. Yeah, it's I mean it's not it's not an you know officially it's not an official book if you will, but they've sort of you know they they haven't tried to stop me from doing it, let's put it that way. Okay. And for for this new for this new edition uh, Benny sat down with me a couple of times to answer some follow-up questions and straighten out some question marks. So 
So it's not, you know, um, it's not official, it's not endorsed by ABBA, but, you know, I get the feeling that, generally speaking, they're sort of, you know, positive. Okay. You touched upon this, but I would like you to do this anyway. Can you give an, ex- can you give an example how one song came together, like, fr- from the way they worked in the studio? Yes. Um, the, I mean, everything starts with Bjorn and Benny writing a song, of course. Um, and they sit together somewhere, you know, at Bjorn's home or at Benny's home or in the Stockholm Archipelago in the, you know, little songwriting cabin that they had out there. Uh, and they sit there with just piano and guitar and sort of trade ideas, throw them back and forth. Uh, you know, I have this little melody line here. What do you think about that? Oh, that's great. And I have this little melody line. Maybe we put them together. We can we can move forward, and we get you know we. In the end, they had a complete song, okay. and then they brought that song to the studio. Just just the tune uh, with some demo lyrics that was often very you know silly. Didn't really make sense. Just uh, nonsense English often, and then they recorded the song with with uh, the backing track musicians and when they did that they could try all kinds of different arrangements you know that they might bring the song into the to the studio as a ballad for instance but once they started working on it with with the musicians they might feel like oh maybe we should try this as a disco number or maybe as a country number no no let's try it as more like an up tempo rock rock number so they could go through different styles uh, with the same tune until they found the exactly right uh, interpretation for it so when they so they had that backing track with which is just drum bass guitar piano and nothing else or you know keyboard synthesizers whatever and then Bjorn would take that you know, a cassette tape of that instrumental backing track. He would take that home and just listen to it over and over again. And through the the melody and the arrangement and everything, he would sort of get get the message of the of the tune. He would get an idea for the lyrics. Uh, he felt that you know the recording, the the um, the music, the arrangement, everything had a kind of message. It's, it sounds it sounds kind of strange, but If you listen uh, long enough to that piece of music, it, it will tell you what it is about. <laughs> okay. uh, so, so then he wrote lyrics for that, and when he was done with the lyrics, they brought Anita and Frida to the studio, and then they spent a day uh, recording the vocals. Whether it was a lead vocal for Frida or a lead vocal for Anita, or if they sang the whole song together, and all those layers of harmonies that are in Abba songs, they they managed to do that in one day. And when they done that, they took a listen to the recording again and say, "Okay, where are there, you know, holes in the soundscape here? Uh, what are we missing in the arrangements here? What what can we add?" And that was usually when Benny brought out his synthesizers and added, "Oh, you know, I have a little melody line here. Or no, you know, I try to, I'd like to try to play some of these chords here. No, oh, and I, I have a riff here. You know, he was just." Overdub after overdub after overdub after overdub. It was just you know they were building this wall of sound, this 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 thing. Okay. And then when they were, were done with that, they they would mix it into a stereo recording, which is what we as record buyers hear. Mm. So that that was the whole process basically. You know, when you talk about Beatles, some people say they can hear very much that Lennon, John Lennon, dominated 
one song and the other one is Paul McCartney's song. Is it possible to do the same comparison with Bjorn and Benny, do you think? I I don't think so, because I think that Benny was always <laughs> the uh, the dominant uh, uh, partner in that partnership. He he was the musical motor, and, and Bjorn will tell you that himself. Um, so what you hear, I think what you hear mostly is is Benny, Benny Anderson's musical vision in musical terms. But, you know, Bjorn was a talented songwriter himself. But I, I, I'm not, I asked Bjorn about this, and he couldn't really pinpoint anything that he said, oh, I wrote that bit. He doesn't remember that, but, but he certainly did. But mainly what you hear is, is, is the style of Benny Anderson in, in Abba's music, I think. And you have written a book about Benny Anderson, Benny's Road to Abba. Tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's, that's basically his, his pre-Abba history. It's more or less a book about the Hepstars, the, the band that he was in uh, in Sweden in the 1960s, which was the biggest pop band um, of the time uh, in Sweden. And that's when he started writing songs and he developed musically. So it's so it's his year, journey from, from childhood up until the early 70s, basically. And that's what the book is about. Okay. And, you know, they were, they were, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, strange things happened to that group and to Benny uh, even back in the 60s. So he had already been a star before, even before uh, ABBA started. <laughs> you got to tell us what strange things. Tell us something. Well, you know, there were all sorts of, you know, business uh, business problems and uh, they started this this uh, company called Hep House which was the production company and it just went, you know, pear-shaped and they didn't pay any taxes. The members of the Hep Stars neglected to pay taxes, so they ended up with a huge tax bill. Uh, and it sort of all collapsed around that. That's just one thing that happened. You know, mm. they tried to have a breakthrough in America, and Benny went there, and and the lead singers went ahead, and they met up with old movie stars who were supposed to help them, but nothing really happened. So you know, they, and they made made a film in Africa that was never completed, and that also cost a lot of money. So there were a lot of things like that. But on the plus side, of course, this is where Benny began writing songs. He wrote a song called Sunny Girl, which was only the second song he ever wrote, which became a big hit in Sweden. And that's when he knew, okay, I know how to write songs. If I can write one good song, I can write two. And if I can write two, I can write three, and so on. So that's when he he knew, whatever happens to the Hep Stars, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to devote my life to music. And he's, you know, he's kept that promise. If you look at the four album members, he's the only one who's, who's been loyal uh, to music uh, through the decades. You know, he's still sitting there in his office writing songs every day. The book is called ABBA, The Complete Recording Sessions. We've been talking to Carl Magnus Palm. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. My pleasure. Ben, ben,